Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose, a podcast made possible by Skylife Success, a SkyPass group company. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. This is your host, Chris Dunham, coming to you from Dallas, where it's right now a gloomy day outside, but looks like the forecast is for a little bit of sunshine. This week, we'll see us begin our advent of some amount of travel, a little bit domestic, and then hopefully internationally, depending on circumstances. As uh, we were getting ready for the week in preparation, many people have reached out to me and asked me to talk about accountability. It seems over the course of the last year and a half, a lot of people have been given an option to slide away from that which is their prime responsibility. The excuse of the pandemic and uh, the excuses that came around it in terms of workload, in terms of working for home, or whatever other circumstances prevailed, allowed a vast majority of the population to just say, okay, I'm going to throw my hands up, put my legs up, and not participate at all. While some people have been genuinely sidelined because of the disease and debilitated because of the after effects of it, many others, though, have actually use this as an excuse. Now, I don't want to be harsh, but I do want you to heed my words. Accountability is something that does not change regardless of circumstances. There is dignity in what we do, and there is dignity in the discipline of how we do it. So I'm going to address this issue because many corporations are now asking me the question, saying, hey, Even though I have given the all clear, we have taken all the precautions, we are asking people to distance themselves, we are sanitizing our facilities. Many people seem comfortable working from home. And while the productivity in the early days of the pandemic while working from home did soar, it has kind of tapered off and in fact it is declining in some parts as people are now beginning to realize that the motivation to work from home is no longer survival but is actually based on convenience. Why should I go back to an organized hierarchy of systems and procedures and policies when I have a mandated excuse of I'm afraid? I'm afraid because I may contract something. I'm afraid because someone else is not taking the precaution. These are all legitimate concerns, but does it take away from our prime accountability of who we are as a people and how do we retaliate and how is our resilience going to perforate and create a new agenda. I want to give you a story, a story that is quite different from what we're going to try to endeavor to accomplish here. But the story is something quite captivating to me because it actually tells the tents and the tenets of people and what is their primary makeup regardless of what they hear. For example, in the early days of this pandemic, all we heard was about the death, the disease, the destruction, and the devastation. Uh, Alongside the numbers of the world meters that are put out about the number of people who actually contracted this illness, the number of people who succumbed to it, was another number of the number of people who recovered. 
The percentage of people who recovered and re-entered society as part of the living is about a 99.9% or 99.4% clip. Don't quote me on the statistics because you can make them say whatever you want. In parts of India right now, the infestation rate of people who are testing positive as a percentile is almost 30. That is catastrophically high. That is reaching what smallpox was in the early days. But I wanted to give you a backdrop for the simple reason that are we using this as an excuse to shirk our accountability and to shirk our responsibility? So let me read something for you that I wrote for a devotion. It is a story that uh, is quite popular in the evangelical community, but I want to read it for you as I wrote it uh, so that you would get a little bit of the backdrop. Notorious English criminal Charlie Peace lived a life of lust and greed. He lived a selfish existence that included adultery, embezzlement, and murder. His demeanor showed no remorse, even though his sentence was to die at the gallows. His last meal was a hearty breakfast of eggs and salty bacon. He made the final journey called the Death Walk, escorted by the prison chaplain, who was reading aloud to him from the Consolations of Religion. The passage read talked about the burning fires of hell. Charlie Peace loudly said to the chaplain, Sir, if I believed what you and the Church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it if need be on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. You see, the irony of that was facing his finality, Charlie Peace, who had lived a wayward life, was distraught at the thought of spending the afterlife in a place described with such torment. However, he did not think about his mistakes and transgressions as an escape mechanism for him, nor did he show remorse for his life and what would be certain loss. But he did realize that if what he heard was the truth of a destiny of damnation, he would shout, albeit, across England on his hands and knees, even if it was covered in glass, to prevent anyone else from having that fate. I wrote, in addition to that, the God of our creation, the master of our redemption, is screaming at us to mend our ways. You know, in the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel tells us that we will each be accountable for our transgressions. And our father's faith and our mother's penance will not make us right with God. Since we are responsible for our actions, judgments, and judgment for our conduct, we need to realize that sometimes what is presented to us as a rope is not a noose. This rope is the reign of redemption that we can claim with confession to a creator. Now, albeit that had a theological bent to it, let me give you a physiological or a practical bent or an application to it. When this pandemic was first announced, it was almost offered to us as a noose around our neck. If you didn't do X, Y, and Z, you would be damned. If you didn't participate in X, Y, and Z, you would be condemned. Not only did you participating in the protocols mean that you were going to protect yourself, but you were going to prevent anybody else from a damnation or a kind of a disease that was surely dooming. 
Now, the irony of ironies is that when you look at the numbers of people who have succumbed to it, and we have lost a mighty warrior set of people to this dreaded disease, many thousands have recovered from it, including closed ones I know who struggled with it, who were hospitalized with it, and who faced some side effects because of it. But the first thing they did when they came out was to tell other people that it was okay. That there were days when they were, there was harshness. There were days when they lost odor, when they lost sense, when they lost smell. And they said it was the weirdest thing to have to eat to survive, but not have any sensory feeling about why they were in the process of, consum- of consumption. And as a result of it, a weakness kind of developed and they had to force themselves to have the discipline to eat something to sustain themselves to overcome some of the side effects of this debilitating disease. Now, fortunately, so far, by the grace of God, we have taken all the precautions. We have taken the vaccinations. We have followed the advice of people. We have worn our masks. We have maintained the distance. And because some of the close members of our family fall into that higher risk, we have taken added measures that when I come back from a travel or a trip, I immediately self-monitor or self-quarantine myself in another space of the house. Now, the reason I give you all of those caveats is I don't want any of you listening to think that we are trying to give you an alternative that means just basic denial or basic defiance. I am going to hinge and going to stay the course on this word accountability. The first thing is within accountability, we are accountable for the decisions we make. And some of us made decisions to start working out of the house, and that paid its way in the early days. Some of us took money, and we've had to decide whether we'll pay it back or not. Some of us decided to take on jobs so that we would be designated as essential and make our way to our offices so that we would continue to be productive. Some of us figured out a way to monetize ourselves within the confines of this virtual world. Uh, God knows we all got tired of the Zoom conferences and the continual interaction virtually, but there was an accountability that was manifested in the decisions we made. Some of the decisions I personally made was that I would always contact or talk to anybody who requested my services, albeit virtually, that I would do it live. By live, I simply meant that whatever time they needed me, I would inconvenience myself. One of the decisions you will make in order to be accountable, in order to make sure that nobody else has to go through what you're going through or that you're a solution and not a problem, one of the decisions you will make is to realize that in order to be effective, sometimes you have to be uncomfortable. And that is another rally cry a lot of the corporations are asking me to begin to address, saying that many people are now comfortable in the confines of their isolation. They have now taken it for granted that they can just wear a set of sweats, maybe a dress shirt, sit in front of a camera, not even get ready to get out of bed. In the sense that if you are doing your Zoom calls from the bed, because that is your comfort zone, trust me, you are as far from effectiveness as anybody who has ever decided to work. Now, I know the excuses you will offer saying that I really did feel that I was more productive during that this time. Uh, If you're a writer or a poet, and I am both, uh, then, uh, you know, more power to you. The second is the detours we take. Some of us are becoming creative around this time. 
I've seen many people complain that, you know, they say, hey, I have bad bandwidth on my computer. And as a result of the internet overload because of everybody in my neighborhood using it at the same time, maybe I will just switch off my camera and just listen and mute my microphone and listen to the proceedings. Well, you almost are telling me in no uncertain terms, it's like coming to a meeting, but not actually coming to it, which means there's a meeting going on physically in a conference room and you say, I'm not here, but I'm there. If you mute your microphone and you switch off your camera, your intentions may be noble and you may be that noble soul who is actually at the other end because you really have bandwidth issues. But many an organization have said when queried later about the discussion of that particular event or that particular call, these people were dumbfounded because they were not there. That's a detour we take, and it's a detour we take that actually is birthed in your accountability. Our accountability to the organization that gives us our paycheck is birthed in one very simple premise. When you first started working, you were marginal at best, and they gave you a paycheck. For the next two weeks, you were mediocre at best, and they gave you another paycheck. For a whole month, you didn't even hit stride, and they paid you twice. Who owes who? And this goes back to, or harkens back to the early days of my motivational career. When I shared that, people said, but I am owed for my experience. Maybe you are. Maybe you're a neuroscientist and you're on the verge of winning a Nobel Prize. Yeah, if wishes were horses, right? But the reality is many people are shirking their responsibility and their accountability by willful detours that they themselves are taking. Then the details we fake. The details we fake are fascinating. There are so many people who have an excuse now ready. In fact, in the early days when I was getting to write a book, Mr. Ziegler, my mentor, often told me, he said, Krish, when you begin to write a book about life and its applications, realize that the book, the chapter on excuse, if you ever want to write one, is already written. You really don't have to search or struggle for any kind of content to populate a chapter on excuses. Man has designed excuses before activity for the simple reason that not if they come up short, when they come up short, they have an escape hatch. I remember one of the sales managers I used to sit with in the early days of my sales career at eight o'clock when the phone would ring and it would be one of the other salespeople. Uh, He would get on the phone with them and after he hung up with them, he'd look at me and say, 14. Or another day he'd say, 12. And the reason was we had a list of excuses, the the details that people fake. You know, after a while, uh, you know, in joint families, you it blended families. Uh, I grew up in India, so maybe after four grandparents, you ran out of excuses to tell people my grandparents passed away. But when you look at divorce and the addition of step families and all the number of grandparents who can pass away, who can be taken ill or elderly people who are suddenly sidelined, is so astronomical, we decided not to even debate who actually was sick. We just gave it a number like 12. And our running joke on a Monday morning was people would fake a certain amount of the details regarding their work, and we just classified a number to them. Now, it's tongue-in-cheek to laugh about that, but the reality is that we already knew ahead of time that some people were going to fake the details of how they were going to be held accountable. In sales, uh, it is, I don't have enough leads, or so-and-so got the better leads, or whatever it was. 
I remember one time I read it, uh, someone gave me an audio cassette tape in those days, and it was simply a certain way to have accountability. And it talked about how do you get an extra hour a day? And I thought, man, that would help. I'm not really doing, I'm not really uh, setting any records in sales. Maybe if I get an extra hour, that will help. And the hour was not built on how you would suddenly go from 24 to 25 and change the Gregorian calendar but how within the confines of a day you can get an extra hour of productivity. And the accountability factor was built on this. Show up 15 minutes early for anything you are asked to do. Stay 15 minutes late after everything you have committed to do. Take 15 minutes less for lunch and spend 15 minutes less gossiping about things that don't make a difference. You add those four 15s, that's an hour a day that is uh, you know, five a week, that is 20 a month, that is six weeks a year. Can you imagine having a six-week head start on someone else doing the same thing? These are details. If you fake them, your accountability will be suspect. And if you make them, something amazing will happen. Well, I remember embracing that philosophy and showing up to the office 15 or 20 minutes ahead of when the office was scheduled to open. There was no reception area outside this little company that was selling telecommunication services, so I sat on the ground outside the door. When the boss would walk up with the key and he would open the door, I was not a key executive, I didn't have a key, he would say, what are you doing? I said, well, you gave me this tape set saying come 15 minutes early, so here I am. He said, well, don't sit on the floor, you're embarrassing me, come on in. And I went into the office, it was still a quarter to eight. Those days, some of the leads from the head office came over the fax machine. And he would pull off one of those leads that came off the fax machine and he says, well, if you're here, you might as well work this. Well, the leads that came from the corporate office were obviously more, more uh, beneficial leads, which means they'd already been vetted or someone had called the corporate office and not the branch office, which means the lead had more meat to it, had more opportunity to it, had more possibility. I would call those people, I would get my appointment, and then very soon the rest of the crew would trickle in and they would see me now starting to win some contests and put some numbers up that were bigger than I had in the past. And when they found out I'd been coming in early, they started complaining, saying, oh, he comes in early, that's why he gets, you know, the early bird gets the worm. Then the boss said, well, if that's the case, why don't all of you come in early and whoever is here when, the, when I roll in in the morning is who will get the lead and we'll do it on a rotation basis. Well, they came for a couple of days and they benefited, but then after a couple of days, they realized that it was harder to actually have the discipline to come in earlier than you're asked to do. It goes back to the very basis of how you value your time, how you value other people's time. Are you accountable? So first is the decisions we make. Second, the detours we take. Finally, the details we fake. Now, lastly, I want to give you something that is actually hope-filled, and that is the despair we need to forsake. In order to have accountability, don't be in this perpetual state of despair, of not knowing when will it end. We don't know. Uh, one day they talk about one country closing, one day they talk about another country closing. Today I'm now monitoring a trip for the end of the week where I may need... There's a different set of protocols in terms of the hours you would need the test to transit through one country, whereas the country you arrive in has a different set of protocols. So if you take a test 72 hours before for one country and the country you transit through has 48 hours, you're in a soup. And the soup is one that will put you in a sense of perpetual despair. All you can do is try. You can't win everything. Some you win, some you lose, some are rained out. 
But in order to do this, I actually wrote a poem that uh, maybe will give you some amount of comfort and maybe that's something worth reading at this stage. Um, and uh, let's see if we can anchor ourselves a little bit on that. And then if not, uh, we can maybe share that poem on another day. That's not a big deal. But uh, let me see if I can find it here for you. And if not, uh, don't worry about it. We'll just try to uh, share it uh, with other people. All right. Uh, I wanted to see if I could find it, but uh, I'm running into a little bit of a hiccup here in trying to find it. So let me do this. I promise you that I will share this poem with you the next time we are together. And uh, as a result of that, I think you'll have a little bit of hope. Well, actually, I did find it. So let's prolong this little, just a little bit, Tad. And I'm sorry for that little bit of hiccup, but that's how we keep it real. The poem is simply titled Always. When we are lost and lonely and tend to go astray, when each and every action leads us further away, when dreams of hope we always had are forever gone, reach high for the hand of God that will never let us down. With care he formed and wove us while still in the womb, with outstretched arms he awaits us long after the tomb. His will is free and so we alone decide, for the God of all creation is always by our side. His scars and stripes are proof of how much he cares. His crown of thorns a sign of how much he bears. He always knew there would be a big cost for our sin. So the Son of God died and rose just so we would win. Our dark world is now again begging for his light. The Son of Man is the only answer to the people's plight. He who was and is and always will be our only might. His love alone will make us perfect in the Father's sight. So forsake your despair at this moment. Anchor your ability on the decisions we make. Try to understand that the detours we take can derail us. But remember, when you fake details, you're not conning anybody but yourself. Until next time, stay accountable. This is Chris Dunham with another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Good luck. God bless. That concludes another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose with Chris Dunham brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at chrisdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.